Welcome to Royals Review Radio. I am the editor of Royals Review, Max Reaper, and we're back with another episode. And of course, joining me as always, I had to pull him away from the Golden Globes tonight, is Sean Newkirk. Sean, uh, how are you doing with the award shows? You know, pretty good. Um, most of the, I never watched the Americans, and they've won a couple things, so that I don't have anything on. But I know a lot of readers are Americans fans, so good. I'm, I'm happy for them tonight. But yeah, uh, I've been I've been catching up uh, with season I think five. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I like when the sh- the few shows that I've watched win. Uh, Spider Man Into the Verse won tonight, so I, yep. that was like the only movie I saw this year. So I was pretty happy because the kid. Because the kiddos? Yeah, the kiddos. But it, it was actually legitimately good. So, Also joining us tonight, uh, I'm sure with opinions on, on on movies and TV shows, is Matthew Lamar. Matthew, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'll be honest with you. I did not know that the Golden Globes were happening until I was just scrolling <laughs> through Twitter um, like an hour ago. It was, um, yeah, it, it was interesting because like, there was a football game on right before that, and it, I was kind of following on on Twitter, and it was interesting to see football Twitter morph into Golden Globe Twitter, because it seems like those are very <laughs> right. different audiences. Uh, yeah, well, uh, maybe come Oscar time, we'll have to give our uh, Oscar picks and maybe have Matthew give his, his best scores. But uh, yeah. as for now, I think we'll probably stick with the baseball that we mm-hmm. uh, maybe know a little bit more about. And uh, I guess we'll start with the really the only notable news, I think, since last time we talked, and that is it came on a Friday night news dump the Royals have re-signed Kyle Zimmer, their former first-round pick who uh, from 2012, who's been kind of just his career has been ravaged by injuries. Uh, and the interesting thing is that they signed him to a major league deal, kind of similar to the Terrence Gore deal, where they gave him uh, kind of a prorated half a million dollars and a 40-man roster spot. And so to make room for him, they had to designate Chesler Cuthbert for assignment. So let's kind of stick with Zimmer first, and we'll get to Cuthbert in a minute. Uh, Sean, uh, I think you've been noted as a as a pretty uh, a pretty high booster of Zimmer as far as stuff wise. Um, what did you think of bringing him back on a major league deal, and and what do you think about his health since his time at the Driveline Academy? Yeah, it's I mean like as as cool as the things are that Driveline's obviously doing, and I'll say this as well. What's What's Driveline? As cool as Driveline's you know stuff has been, what's their success been? Have they had any guys other than Trevor Bauer? Yeah, that's a good question. I I want to say there was a couple draftees this year that had credited him uh, uh, with some okay. success of like getting back from injuries. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Funny. I don't know if there's too many pro success stories, right? And that's kind of and that's what I'm saying. It's like you know, I'm really glad to see that he's doing something to um, try to come back. And mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy I'm always rooting for. But it's like you know, how. Is Drivon going to be able to fix his shoulder? You know, right. like it's one thing to like bring up his stuff a lot better, learn new pitches, and kind of see maybe where he's going wrong. But you do kind of wonder though, like what what are they going to change about his shoulder, and what can they change, or what can they you know quote unquote fix that the Royals who have you know presumably several doctors on their staff and mm-hmm. have a higher budget and you know probably just as much technology aren't able to fix. So. I'm very happy that he's back. I think it's a great swap, uh, Cuthbert for Zimmer. Uh, as as noted as I might be a fan of Zimmer, I'm probably just as noted not fan of Cuthbert, mm. uh, who I think, you know, had his time, had his shot, and kind of proved like, okay, he was found wanting, if I can quote, uh, a knight's tale. Uh, <laughs> and so, yep. Yeah, uh, and so, I don't know. 
I, I think it was really, really good swap. I absolutely love Kyle Zimmer, and I will always say, and I will always debate this as well, that I think he is the best pitching prospect the Royals have had in quite some time. I know Grinky gets a lot, but um, I was looking over Zimmer's grades just the other day, and he had like, I think it was a 70 fastball, a 60 curve, 50 changeup, 60 slider, 60 command. So four 60s, including command, and a 50, and I think you could have graded his change up maybe even a little bit higher than 50 so i mean this was a phenomenal pitcher who just obviously couldn't stay healthy so i'm very happy to have him back and for people that maybe aren't familiar with driveline um i mean so you know kyle zimmer was a minor league free agent technically this offseason and went to driveline uh, academy or driveline facility i don't know what they call it but i you i mean are you familiar with them that much is there what is it about their techniques that get them kind of notoriety uh, and yeah. get, get people to flock to their 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 methods well, part of it is one is that Kyle, the owner, I mm-hmm. think he's I think he's the CEO owner. Um, I think he might just be the owner. Somebody else, the CEO, quote unquote. Um, he's pretty noted out there on Twitter, you know, having very strong opinions about things. So I right, think that kind right. of helps drive the idea of drawing the line. But yeah, I mean, just super analytical based. Um, tons of slow motion cameras. They use uh, I can't think of not called Quadro. They use a a, a crazy crazy detailed um, stop motion and pitching. Uh, uh, platform or program, I can't think of the word to describe it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just as it seems, is, and I mean, those guys are all about the kinetic chain, the kind of breaking down, uh, you know, every single little detail about every step and every, um, you know, electron that gets moved in the whole process uh, to, to kind of make the picture better. So, yeah, I mean, super, just super, super quant based, especially with videos and the like. So, it's interesting. I mean, it's definitely something that, you know, other people might be doing, but I don't think there's another program out there that's doing it on the, either the scale they are doing or the popularity that they are. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. Like I said, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of success as far as that, you know, that we've heard of other than maybe Trevor Bauer. And no offense, Trevor Bauer was like, what, the fourth overall pick and was an awesome pitcher at UCLA. So it's not as if, like, they turned his career around. Mm-hmm. Maybe they made him better, but... I mean, still, you know, it, it's cool what they're doing, but um, I'm not sure that, you know, it's like, oh, he went to drive line, he's going to be good, because I don't know if we have that much, uh, you know, evidence behind that necessarily. Yeah, they list uh, Tim Lincecum and Adam Ottavino as some other success stories, but, you know, like like you say, those guys were, uh, at least Lincecum was pretty good yeah. as an amateur, and so I don't know what the success rate would be someone that, that has that kind of injury history, but, you know, at least it's, right. it's trying something different. Um, and know, Lincecum went there after he flamed out months okay. come i don't think he definitely didn't go there when he came out of washington he mm-hmm. came i i'm fairly positive he went there after he flamed out and tried to come back because i mean remember linscombe was amazing then at whatever age 28 he just forgot how to pitch completely right. um and so yeah i think that's i think that's what they're listing him and you know obviously he went to the angels and was awful and now he's a free agent again so so Matthew, we know Zimmer has really good stuff. Uh, we also know he's 27 years old. He did not mm-hmm. pitch at all last year, at least in any professional capacity. Uh, he's pitched 50 combined, less than 50 combined innings over the last three years. Never pitched a full season in professional baseball. Is it really worth the Royals' time and 40-man roster spot to continue to see what Kyle Zimmer can do? Sure, I, I think sure. Um, one of the things that I am sort of coming to terms with this off season is that. We're in the kind of dark part of the Royals' rebuild or, you know, any team's rebuild where almost everything they do just doesn't really matter in the long run. Um, 
in other words, the chances of Zimmer being good are pretty small, right? Um, but also the chances that they could get somebody else who could, you know, be leveraged into a prospect that contributes on the next great Royals team is also pretty small, you know? So you're dealing with kind of just small, um, you know, percentages um, pretty much any way you look at it. I think keeping Zimmer makes sense because he's a talented pitcher that when healthy has been very, very good. And like Sean has said, was one of the best, you know, pitching prospects. Um, But is it likely to pan out? Probably not. I mean, you know, players just don't magically get, you know, better um, and less injured, um, you know, less often. It's just not something that happens. So it's, uh, eh, I guess that's that's kind of how I feel about it. You know, it's uh, it's probably makes sense because they're keeping him in the organization. He probably wanted to stay, you know. Um, but that kind of segues into the other the other part of this is they got rid of Chesler Cuthbert uh, in order to keep Simmer. Um, and Cuthbert hasn't really been good in the last couple of years. Of course, when you look around um, at the other third base options that Kansas City has, it's not really great either. You know, Hunter Dozier was just flat out bad this year. Um, and they don't really have anybody in the minors um, who's, you know, particularly compelling. Um, and let's go out and resign Moustakas, which is, you know, possible, but somebody... Uh, replied to Jeffrey Flanagan, who's a MLB.com reporter, if uh, they asked him if the Royals had discussed Moose at all, and he said no, and I haven't heard anything. So that's probably not like, you know, the, again, the likelihood that Jessler Cuthbert is good is pretty small, you know, considering his his, uh, his recent track record. You know, in the last two years, he's played 88 big league games and um, not all that much more minor league games uh 21 and he's been worth negative 0.8 wins above replacement which is which is pretty bad and even like in 2016 when he was you know good and had a basically average hitting season his defense was so bad that he just wasn't any valuable even then um so it makes sense to move on from him but also it doesn't really matter which is depressing to think about you know even if he is good it's he's he's not going to be an all-star um, even in his best, you know, 99th percent percentile, you know, result. So um, I think what the Royals did was, uh, was reasonable on both counts. It's, it's just hard to come up with a, a, a big point of view to, to ding them other, unless you just really, really want to. And even then both sides of the move aren't probably going to make all that much difference to the next good Royals team. And Sean, I know you're not a big, uh, like, booster of, of Cuthbert you know you, I think you've been kind of down on him even when he was putting up like okay-ish numbers in 2016 but it's still does it kind of surprise you that they and he's not necessarily gone from the organization they could bring him back if he clears waivers uh, but it was a little surprising for you to, to, to see him uh, jettisoned off the 40-man roster uh, not necessarily I mean like if it was in a vacuum if we just woke up and you know, the Royals announced they DFA'd him with no, you know, corresponding other move, then okay, that would be a little weird. Uh, but, you know, if you if you were going to swap to just one for one, if you assume the 40-man is, un, you know, nobody else is movable, and then you have to add Zimmer, <clears throat> excuse me, um, or, you know, I think in a vacuum, those two alone are good swaps. 
Um, you know, Cuthbert, as you noted, uh, you know, I'm obviously not a huge Cuthbert fan, um, but I think it's I, I, I think those moves in a vacuum alone totally make sense to swap Zimmer's potential upside for Cuthbert's. I even hesitate to say potential upside, but Cuthbert's whatever he is. Um, it just Cuthbert wasn't going to go anywhere, so at least you get some shot of upside with Zimmer. Yeah, but I I, just, I, I was a little surprised just because Dayton Moore is such uh, kind of kind of a hoarder <laughs> when it comes to inventory, and um, you know I think the odds of Chester Cuthbert clearing waivers is pretty high. So if they want to bring him, you know, keep him yeah. in the organization, they probably it's probably a pretty good chance of that. But to even risk him to waivers, I thought was kind of surprising. It makes me wonder if. You know, he had such a mysterious injury. He had a back strain in May, in which we were told he'll probably be back by the end of the week, and then he wasn't. And then, like, three weeks later, you know, they said, well, maybe he's a week or two away from starting a rehab assignment, and then he wasn't. And then he missed the entire season with a back strain. Uh, it was a little weird, and it makes me wonder if maybe they got frustrated with how slow it was for him to come back. Um, because, you know, he really missed out on an opportunity with, you know, Mustakas getting traded. That yeah. could have been him starting every day instead of Hunter Dozier. And, you know, maybe he gets a chance to show what he can do. Maybe he doesn't. That was kind of his opportunity, and he missed it. So it it seems like Hunter Dozier would be in line to start an opening day. But, Matthew, do you think that will be the case, or will they bring in someone else? It makes the most sense that Dozier would start third base opening day. Um, especially because their other options just aren't particularly... They're either not ready or just not, not very good. Now, Chris Owens could have some playing time there, um, but also he's, you know, was brought in as kind of like the backup middle infielder, and Raul, or excuse me, Adalberto Montesi, uh hasn't shown that he can, you know, stay healthy for a long time. So it, it doesn't seem that Chris Owens is the third base guy. Uh, there's there's just not really a lot of great options. Probably Hunter Dozier is there because uh, in a way you can kind of think of them uh, getting rid of Cuthbert as a vote of confidence in Dozier, right? If they were um, down on Dozier enough, you would think that they would have kept Cuthbert and been able to keep or sign Zimmer and get around it a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Everybody knows Moore really loves his, you know, gritty infielder type veterans, you know, Willie Bloomquist-esque people. Um, so I'd say, you know, it's probably a good 40% chance that somebody in the vein of Willie Bloomquist is the starting third baseman for reasons. Um, but it probably should be, it probably should be Dozier. Um, even if he's not, though, Dozier can, you know, can play first. He's probably going to play some DH and he could do corner outfield. So, He'll have a spot on the team, but whether or not that's starting third baseman, it just depends on how uh, greedy Moore gets in the uh, middle infielder veteran uh, sphere. Yeah, it seems like you know in a rebuild you would go with Dozier for a full season, but you know, the fact that Flanagan keeps mentioning that they are interested in a veteran infielder kind of um, makes me think something's up. And, and you know, like I think Dayton Moore, I think he really wants to win more games next year. Um, and so he wants some, maybe, you know, maybe someone that's more certain out there. So, you know, Sean, do you think do you think we see Hunter Dozier in the uh, starting lineup on opening day? Yeah, uh, I, I think I think he's whatever six to five to pick him as the you know the odds on choice. Um, I can't think that there's anybody else behind him 
that's just going to be there. I know we've talked about Kelvin Gutierrez before, but he's, uh, I mean, he's not nearly ready at all. And I think he's 24 and in, um, what up, double A? Um, and so, I don't know. That's If he isn't, then there's not much behind him. So, in Dozier's, you know, a first round, whatever, eighth overall pick. Um, so, I mean, if there's a guy you're going to go with, that's, he's the guy, at least right now in the Oregon. I mean, maybe they do bring someone in. and um, But I, I think, you know, come whatever it is, April 2nd or whatever the first game is, I think you'll see Dozier penciled in. Yeah, I, I think Dozier's probably the way to go. If, if they do bring in someone, I think the name that, that kind of, uh, popped in my head was Yangervis Solerte of the Blue Jays, who was non-tendered in December, and um, you know he's not nothing great, but he would, I think, be a little more stable. He uh, at third base, he can play all over the field, so he'd give you some positional versatility, which they really like. And he's a high contact guy; doesn't strike out much at all. So that's that kind of checks off another box for them. He has a little bit of power, um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in someone like that. Maybe they just bring in like a you know a, a, someone to play at Omaha, uh, kind of as a bridge between Dozier and and Gutierrez. Um, that's possible as well. I mean, triple right right now their AAA team is is kind of thin, so I can see them maybe maybe they just mean they want to bring in some some veterans to fill out that Omaha team. So we'll see, we'll see what they end up doing, but I think Dozier is probably your man at third base. So uh, you know we'll see what they do. Maybe they'll add another infielder. I'm sure they got some they have some bullpen work to do as well. Uh, but we'll be covering all all the latest news with the Royals uh, at Royals Review, of course. Uh, but I want to transition a little bit to some other Royals news. They announced their candidates for the Royals Hall of Fame, the prestigious Royals Hall of Fame that honors the best of the franchise. And I wanted to go over the ballot a little bit because um, I don't think – I think it's usually there's like every year there's an obvious candidate. Like, oh, yeah, Brett Saberhagen, he makes a lot of sense. But this year, I don't think there's an, a super obvious candidate. I think you can make a case for a couple guys. So I wanted to go over the ballot a little bit and see what your opinions are on some of the names on the list. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the ballot admittedly has some not-so-great names. I think, first of all, can we all admit that Jeremy Affelt, John Buck, and Bruce Chen are not Royals Hall of Famers? Yes. <laughs> Strongly. So, yeah. uh, I mean, the... the to be on this list, you only have to play out for a team for three seasons and play a certain amount of time, and then I think they whittle it down a little bit to, to guys that are at least fairly significant. Uh, so let's look at some of the more more significant names on the list. Now, Al Cowens, uh, I think, predates you guys quite a bit. First of all, have you guys heard of Al Cowens before? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. So Al Cowens, um, and I don't – he actually predates my time, but I've read up on him a little bit uh, – he was a solid right fielder for their 70s teams. Uh, good defender, good speed. Uh, finished second in MVP voting one year. But other than that, it was, it was kind of just a nice above-average outfielder. Um, do you have strong feelings one way or the other about Al Cowens being in the Hall of Fame? I'll go with no. Other than there should be more people named Al, I think, this. <laughs> yeah, you know, just from, like you said, you researched and sorted out a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean... If I'm a very big Hall person, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the Major League Hall of Fame, so I want as much, you know, as many guys who are deserving in. That shouldn't be a small thing. Um, the Royals Hall of Fame, though, if we're trying to get a nice distribution from like decades, Cowens is a very, very good candidate from that decade. Um, as far as like, you know, would I pick him over, you know, George Brett or uh, like Seitzer? No. But if we were trying to kind of 
represent the best of the Royals over, you know, the 50 whatever years of history since 69, then yeah, Cowan's for the 70s and then the early 80s. Uh, wait, no, he left in 79. So, okay, so, so for the mid to late 70s. Um, yeah, I mean, he would be a guy that I think would be in contention there. Um, I wouldn't have an issue with him getting in there. I mean, you know, I would have an issue with John Buck getting in, but I wouldn't have an issue with, you know, Cowan's getting in, no. Yeah, I think it really, I don't know, this may be an interesting analog to me, like, um, is Lorenzo Cain? Like, because, so both of them played about six, seven seasons in Kansas City. Both were kind of not really heralded players. I mean, they're they're always considered very solid starters, above average at their position, except for one year when both of them finished top five in MVP voting. Uh, uh, Cowan's finished second uh, in 77. Cain finished third in 2015. Uh, both were about um, a little bit above average hitters as far as OPS plus. Uh, Kane was at a 106 with Kansas City. Cowan's at 103. So I feel like there's a little bit of um, parallel there. Cowan's was on some very successful playoff teams. Didn't win it all, though. Kane was on some successful playoff teams that did win it all. And he was ALCS MVP. And he was also recognized as one of the best defenders uh, in the game. So I feel like that would probably put Kane in for sure. Whereas mm-hmm. Cowan's is kind of on the outside looking in. And I feel like also... If if you're not if you're from the '70s and you haven't made it in by now, yeah, like there's a reason they passed you over. Like they put in all the guys that were really great from the '70s. So you know if if the Cowens isn't in now, I don't think he's gonna get in. Um, let's go with someone a little more contemporary, Johnny Damon. Uh, probably a polarizing figure in Kansas City, but um, you know a really good player, borderline Hall of Famer for Cooperstown. If you look at the his totality of his career. Kansas City, he was kind of up and down. Uh, you know, hit 292 with the Royals, 351 on base percentage, led the league in steals one year. Only had a 101 OPS plus, though, which is kind of surprising to me. 17 wins above replacement in, in uh, I think it was five or six seasons he was in Kansas City. So, Johnny Damon, is he in the Royals Hall of Fame? Sean, we'll start with you this time. You know, I thought, like, when I was researching, I was, I was thinking, like, yo, yeah, Damon's a lock. But you know what? I don't know. I mean, yeah, he kind of struggled because he was on a time with – well, the Royals were awful for a long time. But he was on a time when I feel like the early 2000s Royals got – even though they might not have been as bad as um, you know some other franchises have been and even some other decades in the Royals history, they got like the most like flack for being the worst – or late – 90s early 2000 Royals got like the most flack for being like the worst in franchise history and yeah they're pretty bad and so I think um you're going to see that a lot with guys like DeJesus and Damon and even Die maybe who were on or Sweeney um who I think actually got in but they were on these bad teams and it's not their fault DeJesus I thought like okay he is a for sure Hall of Famer for the Royals but I don't know I mean if you look at his numbers as a Royal 3,400 plate appearances, which is plenty. Um, 98 WRC plus, 146 ISO, which is okay. You know, total of 12 wins, 11.9. That's good, but I don't know, man. I'm not blown away by it. Now, cough some of that up to they had him as a negative two win defender um, or two run defender, excuse me, over his time. So, like, maybe that took away a bit, you know, obviously the mid-90s or anything for, like, 2007, defensive metrics are crappy. So maybe you can make a case, give him three more wins, you know, put him at 
14 overall. David DeJesus is at 19.6 wins in almost the same amount of plate appearances. So if you don't buy that DeJesus is a Royals Hall of Famer, I can't imagine you can buy that Damon is a Hall of Famer. And I guarantee most people don't think DeJesus is a Hall of Famer. Matthew, do you think some of these outfielders from the from the dark ages are going to get forgotten, or should they be forgotten? Are these guys just maybe not not quite up to snuff? So, I, if if we're if we're going to sort of uh, go into David DeJesus a little bit after this, uh, this is why I think that Johnny Damon uh, does not make it, and David DeJesus does. Um, so Johnny Damon uh, played six years with the Royals uh, from 95 through 2000. He really only had two good years. Like, even without, like, looking, you know, bearing into the stats a lot, he really only had two good years with the Royals. And they were, they were very good years, you know, and he stole a lot of bases. And he was, you know, he uh, uh, really great plate discipline and some pop and, you know, hit for average. But before then, he was just, yeah. And the Royals didn't win anything, you know, during that time. Um, so I'm going to say no on uh, Johnny Damon. He just, you know, didn't didn't do a lot. He's not like when you think of, oh, you know, great players from the Royals. Like Damon is not somebody that you think of at all. Now, DeJesus, on the other hand, he played through 2003 to 2010. So that's four, five, six, seven, that's eight seasons. So that's more seasons, first of all. And second of all, he was more consistently good throughout. He didn't just have like a couple of great seasons. He did have a couple of really nice seasons, but he wasn't ever bad, really. He he was consistently productive um, and he was consistently there and he was consistently like the best, for better or worse, the best, you know, player uh, in, that, in those lineups. So... I think DeJesus makes it in. I think DeJesus should make it in. I think he's kind of underrated. Oh, for Um, sure. So DeJesus, he was just with the Royals for longer, and he had a more consistent production. So I think he makes it in. Um, You know, anytime you get someone who plays eight years with a team and, you know, has really good production for most of those eight years, you know, that's – you got to give him a nod. Yeah, I think DeJesus is a really good uh, Rorschach test of, like – how are you a big hall or a small hall kind of guy? Because and and we we're talking about a franchise hall of fame. We're not talking about Cooperstown. So the I think the how seriously you take it needs to be lowered quite a bit. Um, but you know, like the Orioles, they let in like anyone that's played like five or six years with that franchise. And whereas like the Cardinals, I think they only allow like people that seriously oh, made yeah. it to Cooperstown into their hall of fame. So you know, how how much do you want to honor? players from your past or how how big do you want to make that haul and i think if you want it i think i don't i don't have a problem with david hayes being in the royals hall of fame i don't think he's a guy that i would vote for i think he's a guy that was pretty good for you know a good significant amount of time which to me that doesn't necessarily warrant being in the hall of fame uh for the royals but um you know i think he i think you're right he is one of the most underrated players in franchise history i think if he was part of the 2015 team there'd be a lot of support for him being in the Royals Hall of Fame, but he just played through a terrible stretch of, of Royals baseball, so that's going to hurt his chances. And and I think you're right about Damon. He was, I think people forget how, how slow it was for his career to take off. He was really underwhelming and, and, and wasn't living up to expectations for several years there. And then the last two years in Kansas City really took off, led the league in runs and stolen bases his last year. 
That was the only year he was never an all-star in Kansas City, and that was the only year he uh, got MVP votes. So, you know, really the only only greatness we saw out of Damon was in the last year or two. So, um, another outfielder, I guess, from the lean years. I, we don't have to discuss him too much because I don't think he's got a very good case. Raul Abanez. I mean, nice player, nice speech. Yeah, we can probably leave him out. Uh, Al Fitzmorris, another guy that predates you guys from the '70s. He was a a swingman. Um, Basically, a guy just kind of stuck around for a long time. Had like two really good years as a starter, um, but they left him unprotected in the expansion draft, so they didn't think that highly of him. So, I I think he's probably clearly out. Um, let's move to Bo Jackson. You guys have heard of him, right? Uh, yeah. The, the football player. Uh, so, mm-hmm. he's another interesting case of, and I think he's got probably the most fan support. Uh, if you look at the numbers, you're not going to see a Orioles Hall of Famer because he had 500 games at the Royals. Hit 250, 308, 480, 112 OPS plus. Pretty good for that era. That was a low home run era. Um, and he hit 30 home runs a couple seasons. Uh, but only seven seven wins above replacement for his entire career. And, of course, that was a career shortened by injury due to his football career. Uh, but, you know, he only really spent, uh, what, uh, five seasons, four full seasons with the Royals. He was an all-star. He was all-star MVP. Uh, was 10th in MVP voting that year. But a very short career. Um, Matthew, Bo Jackson, is he a Royals Hall of Famer? I'm going to go with no. Um, I think he's a, he's a Kansas City kind of sports icon. But, I I mean, he didn't even... I, I I'm Now, I'm saying this with someone who has no emotional attachment to Bo Jackson because I wasn't alive during that time. Um, and... I mean, I mean, he's he's clearly one of the most famous Royals who has who has played, you know. But is he a Royals Hall of Famer? Uh, I mean, none of the years he played for the Royals did the Royals make the playoffs. Um, he made an All Star team. That's that's nice. A lot of a lot of players make All Star teams. Aaron Crow made made an All Star team. Um, you know, so he had like two good years, really three three good years and a couple of eh, so. I'm, I'm going to say no. However, like this is something right. I really understand. Like, it comes down to what you think what a hall should be, and if you think of Hall of Fame um, in more terms of like cultural relevance, you know, I think then clearly Bo Jackson is part of you know the Kansas City Royals you know team culture and history. Um, so I, I, I could I could see an argument saying yes, but if you say yes be, uh, for uh, Bo Jackson, that has nothing to do with what he did on the field in terms of production and everything to do with him as an athlete and his optics of him playing two sports, which for me is not enough to be in a team baseball Hall of Fame. Well, as someone that had a Bo Jackson poster in his room as a child, I will stop your blasphemy of comparing him to Aaron Crow. Because he, Aaron Crow was an obligatory all-star. They had to send someone <laughs> to the all-star game. Bo Jackson was the leading vote-getter the year he made the all-star team. And he won MVP. And he became the first player since William Mays to steal a base and hit a home run in the all-star game. Which is just one ex- exhibition game, yes. But he was a legit all-star that year. He was 10th in MVP voting. Uh, but I, I get what you're saying. He Look, he didn't have a... If you look at the numbers, he's, he's not going to be... Uh, jumping out at you as a Hall of Famer. But, Sean, is he a guy that we look past the numbers with, or should we kind of just evaluate him on what he actually did? Because I think his case is people say, well, his career was shortened, and we didn't get a chance to see 
more of his career because of his football career. But is that is that really fair? Because there's been you know lots of guys we didn't get to see you know more of them because of injuries. Uh, let me see here. Hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> No. So, no. If you're going to put – I don't care about how exciting a guy was to watch. I don't care (laughs) because I don't mind boring guys getting in. Like Mike Mussino or or Greg Maddox. Nobody was so excited to watch Greg Maddox take take the mound. He wasn't lighting up 98-mile-per-hour fastballs past people. Uh, So – it, the most exciting, the most athletic. Someone once made the case that he's the most that most athletic player, either in Kansas City history or baseball history, whatever. No, you got to do more than just be on the field for 300 games or whatever. If we're gonna just let the most exciting athletic people in, then okay, put Mondesi in already. Induct him today. It's the exact same thing where he's just as exciting to watch as Bo Jackson is. And it's like, I don't know. I'm a big call guy, like I said, but no. You've got to actually do more than just be exciting. And maybe his career was cut short by injury, but, I mean, Nick Adenhart's was. I mean, there's so many players that, and obviously Adenhart had died, wasn't short by injury, but it doesn't matter that that's the case. You have to actually play. I mean, you don't just get into the Royals already, already admittedly low bar of Hall of Fame clearance to begin with, I don't think you get in just by having to, you know, have played whatever it was, whatever it ended up being, 1,500 played appearances or whatever he got with the Royals. So, no, uh, he's he's out for me. Well, see, I think that that's kind of what I was getting at with, you know, what does a club Hall of Fame mean to you? I agree. You know, exciting players shouldn't just be given merit for Cooperstown. Like, you should be, you should have to put up the numbers, have a long enough career that you, that you excelled in for several years, to get enshrined among baseball's best in franchise in in baseball history, but you're talking about a franchise Hall of Fame. I think to me the bar is it should be lower. It should be guys that mental. It's it's really more for the fans. It's more for the franchise. Like who are the important people in your franchise's history? And that's why I kind of leave a guy like David DeHazes out. I mean, it's not like his fault that he played in a era that was so bad uh, for the Royals, and and he was a solid player, but he wasn't you know well, it wasn't a big part of this franchise history. I think Bo Jackson was. I think he was, uh, you know, at at one point he was the biggest star in the United States as far as an athlete goes, and he played here for the Kansas City Royals, and I think that's a that's a really big deal. And you know, he was exciting, yes, but he also did have some accomplishments. I know that they weren't they didn't last for a very long time, but he did make an All Star team. Uh, he did get MVP votes. Um, you know, he was among the league leaders in home runs a couple times. Uh, you know, I, I, I think his resume is a little short, but I think the other stuff gets him in and the fact that he was such a big, important part of the franchise. So you guys are wrong, and I'm right, and Bo Jackson should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, we'll move on. Uh, Kevin Seitzer in another nice career, I think. I don't, I, do, do either of you want to make a strong case for Kevin Seitzer to be in the Royals Hall of Fame? Or should we move yeah. on to There's another name I, I want to get to. I I think that he should be in the Hall of Fame because um, he played um, six years for the Royals, you know, and he was he was really good hitter for for most of those years. Um, plus, also I think I, I know this doesn't really matter, but he you know, he came back as a coach, 
mm-hmm. you know, and as is widely regarded as you know a really good hitting coach. And I think that does matter because he's he was hitting coach for the same team that he played for, you know. Um, so I think I think that's that's enough for him for him to get in the Hall of Fame um, as those six seasons as as a player where he was, you know, a really good hitter, plus those, I don't know, how long was he hitting coach? Four years, something like that? I don't remember. Yeah, they have only a couple seasons, I think. Yeah, maybe maybe three years. But, you know, that. I mean, I, I think that sh- that should count. I, I Again, I, I see why you could say, no, he's, you know, didn't play during a time where that was particularly relevant. But I, I, I think that that's probably enough. You know, six seasons plus another three as a coach for some guys who won a World Series, you know, that – that makes that makes pretty good sense. The numbers for sites are he had 294, 380, 394, 115 OPS plus, 741 games, 17 wins above replacement in six seasons with the Royals. Uh, led the league in hits his rookie season, 207 hits. He was second in rookie of the year voting that year and an all-star. He probably should have won rookie of the year, to be honest, over Mark McGuire. Uh, his problem was that he got kind of worse each year. He was in Kansas City. Also wasn't a very good defender. Um... Uh, but Sean is Kevin Seitz or a Royals Hall of Famer? Yes, I think Seitz is in. Um, One eighteen WRC plus, sixteen wins, played you know three thousand, played thirty one sixty three. Came back as coach. I do think that adds up. And so yeah, no, no, I could I could definitely live with Seitz being in. And um, you know, I wonder with some of these guys, like if there's a case to be made. I can't I can't think of a good example, but. Seitzer was good in Kansas City. Then when he went to the Brewers, he, he was good with the Brewers, too. So I wonder if there's a case to be made of, like, not only was this guy good here, but he was also good elsewhere. So maybe that bumps him up just a little bit. Um, like, you know, maybe Damon might get that because Damon was legitimately one of, like, the top ten most popular players in baseball when he, like, went to the Red Sox or even when he was in Oakland. So I, I think that even with the Yankees, too. So I think there is a little bit of kind of – outside of the team boost that they get um because if i mean imagine if jacks if bo jackson just went straight to baseball and never played football i don't think he would have been as kind of quote-unquote hyped as he is now uh necessarily or excuse me as he was i think if he just got drafted and you know put up a couple okay seasons and then left you know got injured i don't think anybody necessarily would be talking about but because he won the heisman and he played football you know he got a lot more hype so i think if we're giving a little bit of that to Jackson, then I think Seitzer or Damon could even get a little bit of the okay. He was also more than you know, more than just a royal necessarily. Yeah, Seitzer had a really interesting career in that he uh, kind of he, like I said he declined every year with the Royals and was they, I think they non-tendered him, and he was kind of in danger of washing out of baseball and he kind of remade himself as a as more of a first baseman DH. He was like the the professional hitter that you always hear about and really extended his career with the Brewers and Indians uh, and became a really solid player. I think he had, I think he's admitted to this too. He also had some alcohol problems early in his career that he, he overcame and, and that may have helped his career as well. But it's interesting. He went he, to driveline. That's how he got yeah, better. Yeah, he went to driveline. But he, he made the all-star team as a 25-year-old in 1987. Didn't make another one until he was 33 in 1995. So went eight years. It's kind of just like the two halves of his career. So. Uh, Seitzer is a guy I would have out right now, but I think there's a s- decent case for him. I can see the case for him, and I would at least consider him. I wouldn't totally close the door on him Him making it all. I think his, his numbers for that era are pretty good, um, yeah. especially his rookie year, which was pretty amazing. So I would consider him. Um, let's, let's move on to the last name, who's the name that I also got probably the most 
fan support for, and that's Jordano Ventura. A uh, tragic case. Uh, by the numbers, you know, 38 wins in, in three seasons, 106 ERA plus, seven wins above replacement. Doesn't seem like a Royals Hall of Famer, but of course he pitched on the 2014 uh, Royals, uh, pitched that pivotal game six where he tossed seven shutout innings, was on the 15 team that won it all, and then tragically died in a car accident, uh, cutting his career short and his life short. So does that backstory and the you know, the tragedy does that does that warrant getting in the Royals Hall of Fame Matthew um I think that the Royals should do something to honor your town Ventura um something you know semi-permanent or permanent I don't think that thing is the Hall of Fame um to me the Hall of Fame has a lot to do with production um on field and I don't think that Yordano had, you know, quite hit, you know, the 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 limit, uh, or not the limit. He he, had, I don't think he quite hit, you know, the mark in order to be honored that way. This is kind of what I think about Bo Jackson too. I think it'd be neat if the Royals honored Bo Jackson in some other way. I don't think that the Hall of Fame is 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 that that thing. Um, the thing about Yordano is that putting him. He has no case for the Hall of Fame other than the fact that he died in a, in a uh, car wreck. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I understand people you know, really liking him and wanting to honor him. I just uh, don't think that the Hall of Fame is really the way to do that. You know? um, but I, I, I can see you know, a, an argument for it. But even then, I think it's 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 kind of a little dicey because of you know the, we the historic psychology report was never never released, but you know it's it's kind of hard to not speculate a little bit, you know, and and wonder if he was you know clean while driving um, that night, which you know a lot of times what happens is these things come out and you know the player was under the influence of something or other, you know that's traditionally been. You know, at pretty much any time you hear about something like that, you know, some side of drugs or alcohol are, are involved. Now, again, we don't know with Giordano, but yeah, it, it just it just seems kind of odd. Um, and I, I just don't know how I'd feel about putting him in the Hall of Fame, you know, for that um, for that reason. Because, again, it's it's not because of his performance, which was good, but short. But it's because that he died and you want to honor him because he died that his Hall of Fame case you know, currently rests on. Um, so I, I'd say no, but Sean, what do you, what do you think about this? No, I think you nailed it. I didn't think about it that way either. I didn't think about it from the sense that, you know, it, it needs to be based just solely on, on, on the field in that sense. I, I definitely agree. I definitely think you make a good point about the, you know, his, the majority of his case is that he, you know, passed away. Had he just retired? Like, let's just say instead of, you know, passing away, he just retired. I'm not mm-hmm. sure anybody would be talking about him being in the Hall of Fame. So if you're going to honor him, you know, I don't think it's fair to put him in a Hall of Fame alongside guys like Mike Sweeney, George Brett, who played forever for the Royals and, you know, put up numbers. And um, I think that a good way that we can – I think a good honor would be how uh, – well, the Marlins had Jose Fernandez um, before Loria sold the team. They were going to put up an entire statue. Um, and then he sold the team, 
didn't put up the statue, and then so the, now the the Jeter um, led Marlins have decided to do a plaque instead. Um, and I think the basis of that, and kind of as you mentioned, I think the basis of moving from you know a statue to kind of just a a more um, you know quieter plaque is that uh, you know Fernandez had he survived, he probably would have been arrested um, or faced some sort of charges for given that everything he was doing. Um, and so, you know, I think Ventura, you know, passing away under, you know, tragically, but also under, uh, you know, certain circumstances, uh, you know, in my opinion, likely intoxicated, but I'm just speculating. But under those circumstances where, you know, it's different than like, uh, as I mentioned already, already uh, Nick Needhart, who, you know, was passed away because he was hit by a drunk driver as opposed to him being, you know, a drunk driver. So I think that plays a bit in as well that you want to do it, you know, since sensitive sensitive oh my goodness i can't say this word sensitivity no not sensitivity what's the word i'm looking for with sensitivity oh my goodness oh my goodness yeah sorry uh you want to do it with sensitivity um you know and i think a plaque or something is is more more deeming than you know inducting him i I think you guys are right that it's the tragedy of his of his career getting shot that that makes his case on the other hand if it was um like some random if it was jason nix that got killed i don't think we'd be having this conversation like you know hey, it, hey. no 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 <laughs> i'm not gonna have you slander jason nix on this podcast. no no offense to jason nix who was a part of that 2014 team but you know your donna ventura did have some special moments with us uh as royals fans and so i think i don't think i think people want to honor that in some way. But I think Matthew has a right. I think you probably want to have, I think someone, one of our readers, maybe it was Matthew, uh, one of you guys said, um, have an eternal flame out there at Kauffman Stadium to kind of honor Giordano. I think that's a lot more fitting uh, than, than um, uh, putting him in the Hall, Royals Hall of Fame. I think I suggested last year maybe even retiring his number just because I think it would be kind of weird if anyone else wore that number afterwards. But um, but maybe that's not an honor, you know, maybe that's something you consider is only for the, the, the cream of the crop of the franchise. I get that. But, you know, some a plaque, a statue, a, a flame, something like that, I think would be a lot more fitting than Jordana Ventura and the Royals Hall of Fame. But I get the, the fan sentiment. Um, it's I, Yeah, I just I wouldn't put him in. Um, if you guys glass, ha- isn't, glass isn't paying the gas bill to have an eternal flame. Out there. <laughs> yeah, it would have you guys are joking yourself. Do you think he's he shuts? Everybody leaves the coffin stand. He shuts all those lights off himself. There's no way. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll do a GoFundMe maybe for it to raise money for it. So, <laughs> uh, if you guys had to predict if if uh, anyone gets in or if no one gets in, how do you see, how do you predict the ballot going this year? Matthew, we'll start with you. Uh, it's kind of hard to predict. I have the Hayes and Sites are getting in, and that's it. Um, but I, I mean. It's hard. It's hard to predict. I think Bo Jackson and Yordana Ventura, even though I don't agree with them being in the Hall of Fame, I think they've got, as you said, really strong fan backing, and I think that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if one or both of them, you know, made it in. Um, but me personally, I think DeJesus and Seitzer should be should be the only two that make it in from this list. Sean, who who do you think would will get in, and who do, who would you vote in? Yeah, I mean, I think I would vote in. I'll start with that. Um, I think DeJesus, Seitzer, and yeah, I think probably DeJesus and Seitzer. And if you really twisted my arm, I could do Damon and Fitzmorris. But I, I think I think if 
I think if I was like, okay, this is it. I'm only I'm doing ex- the guys that I really, really only want. It would just be Jesus and Seitzer. But who do I think will get in is going to be uh, definitely Jackson, um, definitely Ventura because this is it's it's fan voted right on this this time around. Uh, it fan vote is part of it, I believe. Oh, okay. the, the the current members of the Royals Hall of Fame, I think, get a vote. I want to say the Royals uh, writers, and then I think a lot of exec, a couple of execs. Have okay. Say. It's yeah, it's it's not a very transparent process. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking because if it's if it's mainly fan voted, and I remember seeing that. Obviously, I remember the Royals saying, "Go oh, vote for Royals Hall of right, Fame." Right. Um. So I was thinking like, "Oh well, Jackson's going to get in. Ventura's going to get in." So I think they win. I think Jackson and Ventura win on the fan kind of ballot part. I think. Uh, I'm going to say that. Um, Fitzmorris wins. I think Fitzmorris gets in as well, and I think they're going to do Seitzer too. So I'm going to say the actual vote in is going to be Seitzer, Fitzmorris, um, Ventura, Jackson. Yeah, okay. that's what I'm going with. I I would vote Bo and no one else. I could maybe see myself voting for Seitzer, and I will predict that no one gets in. I don't think there's an obvious choice. I, there's been many years where they just didn't vote in anyone. Uh, if they were to, I would think it would be Bo. I think the fan vote would carry him in, but I, I predict they don't, they won't have an induction ceremony this year, but we'll have to see. Um, we do the know most rec- what, the, the most recent Royals inducted in was Kevin Apier in 2011 mm-hmm. and then Art Stewart in, in 08 and then Gubiza in 06. So it's been a while. Yeah. They very rarely do. They put guys in. Which I don't know if that speaks for better or for worse than the low bar that they have, but um, yeah, barely guys get in, and when they do, it's few and far between. So it's interesting that I mean, I don't remember them. I don't remember us talking about this last year, right? Did they just decide? Oh, it's twenty nineteen. Let's vote well, someone yeah, in. Yeah, they have a ballot every year, but like I said, so there's some years where they just don't okay. get anyone in. I mean, there's not enough good candidates. I remember um, us talking. Okay, huh? Well, no. So, so Sweeney, Sweeney went in in 2015, so that was more recent. Oh, it's not on the world's website. That's what I just looking right at. Okay, yeah, interesting. 2015 was Mike Sweeney. Uh, but I mean, because we're hitting that stretch now of 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 Royals from the early 2000s uh, being eligible, and there's not there just aren't any guys that you'd want to put in. Now, an oh, interesting yeah. case will be when Zach Granke comes up, which <laughs> I guess when he retires. Um, but. But I don't know if there's going to be anyone else from that era that that you really want to consider. I mean, Jermaine Dye, maybe. I don't know. Carlos Beltran, I guess. When Carlos Beltran will be up in a couple of years, so that'll be a name to look forward to. Well, we'll find out who gets inducted if anyone gets inducted uh, later this year when they announce uh, the results. But uh, that'll pretty much do it for us this week. Uh, do you guys have anything, uh, Matthew? Are you working on anything particular for Royals Review readers to look forward to? I've had a lot of really great ideas for the off season for the first time in like forever. <laughs> um, but I've had like uh, a couple of life uh, that have just kind of slowed down my production a little bit. Um, but now things are more settled a little bit after the holidays. Um, just, just a couple of, a couple of previews uh, for some articles um, I have or projects I have is I was going to do a um, simulation of the Royal season on MLB The Show, um, with the Royals 25-man roster being entirely Tim Tebow. Um, and then <laughs> another one was going to be a look at how many miles Alex Gordon has run out to left field and back in his major league career. 
That is definitely off-season material. Yeah, I can tell the, it's the off-season with the with that. Those are great ideas. Yeah, uh, Sean, what are you working on? Um, the Royals Review Labor- Laboratory is um, not the laboratory, lab- the not the bathroom, but the <laughs> laboratory um, is doing pretty is pretty good. We've got a bunch of questions in the hopper, so I'm going to be uh, probably knocking out some of those after like a couple of like quote unquote studies. Um, I had to sneak one more quote unquote in there. Um, studies that like I was going to do, and I don't know. I'm kind of still thinking if I will, I won't. But we've got a lot of good Worlds Review Lab questions coming out, um, and I've got uh, my my top prospect list kind of ruminating. Unfortunately, I did it in August, and so it's like not that much has changed. Um, but I'm going to do a little bit more research, talk to some more folks um, that I like to talk to about some of the Royals players and see if anything's changed and maybe just give overall thoughts. So I'm sure there'll be some sort of refresh there because typically I start from scratch every single year. Um, so this time I might just like do a little refresh instead. So I don't know. Got some stuff in the in the hopper there. So Cool. And, of course, if the Royals sign a veteran infielder or bring back Escobar like we know they will, uh, uh-huh. I'm sure we'll be all over that and covering it. So, yeah, so Hop on on to Royals Review for all that and, and the latest on, on all the Royals transactions. And I'm working on a few things on Royals history. I'm I, That Bandersnatch Black Mirror got me interested in alternate histories and alternate universes. And so I, I want to write, I was wanted to start a new series called What If, if, uh, if the Royals had taken different choices or if different choices have been taken, uh, what would our franchise history be different? I, I don't know exact i was thinking about doing if you know if there was no work stoppage in 94 what would have happened to the royals i'm not sure if i'm going to follow through on that but there there are probably some other ideas i i'm uh, i can follow through with that can explore some alternate history so that, that might be kind of fun uh going david forward. price and mike mustakas yeah thing. that's that's one i did actually think about um if the royals lose was it one series to the tigers they can get lose one game it was a one game yeah just one yeah. game yeah. to the tigers yeah one game so yeah, there's and a they bunch came like back that. in two. Oh, that's I was so angry. Anyway, <laughs> they so came look, back from down like eight runs in some of the. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so look forward to that. Uh, that could be interesting. But uh, yeah, Sean, do you want to send us off? Yeah, I'll, right here. Hold on. <laughs> All right, I, I had to get one more in. Uh, yeah, thanks, Max. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Max, and everybody. Have many, uh, many good days. Hey!